on World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. January is the 48th anniversary of the infamous Roe v. Wade ruling that legalized elective abortion up to birth in the United States. As always, Lutherans will be heavily involved in protesting that decision. Even though the coronavirus pandemic has limited public gatherings, hundreds of thousands of pro-life Americans will take part in showing their commitment to making abortion not just illegal, but unthinkable. As always, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod will play a major role in this witness to our faith. LCMS Life Ministry Director Deaconess Tiffany Manor is my guest today. We discuss the LCMS position on life issues and what's planned for the near future. And now today's Fast Track. Pro-life advocates are hopeful that the Supreme Court will review an abortion law in Mississippi, even though the court has once again delayed a decision on whether to hear the case. Lynn Fitch, the state's attorney general, has asked the court to review its law, which bans abortion after 15 weeks of gestation and has been challenged by the Center for Reproductive Rights. The state's only abortion clinic offers abortions until the 16th week of pregnancy. Mississippi's previous governor, Fy Bryant, had signed at the ban into law in 2018, but it was subject to an immediate legal appeal and blocked by the district court. In 2019, the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals found the law to be unconstitutional. Fifteen weeks is considered to be prior to fetal viability outside the womb. The Supreme Court had been expected to announce whether it would hear the case on Friday. The court was due to conference regarding the law on November the 13th, but instead announced on Monday that it had again delayed a decision. This is the fifth time since September the 22nd that the conference has been rescheduled. No reason for the delay or a new date has been given. According to the pro-life organization Abortion on Trial, a security guard has been removed from his position at a New Mexico abortion facility owned by Franz Third, an abortionist currently under investigation for abandoning a patient who suffered two concurrent botched abortions while under his care. Bertram Wiles, who is employed by Securitas Security Services USA Incorporated as a security guard, was placed at Hilltop Women's Reproductive Clinic in New Mexico. In a video which Wells posted himself, which has apparently been removed, he was seen harassing pro-life women across from the abortion business. Though it appeared portions of the video used voiceovers, other portions appeared to show him directly sexually harassing women. He's also accused of following one woman to her job and then leaving his card on her car. Wiles has since scrubbed the social media accounts, which included multiple similar videos that included sexual remarks directed toward young women, racial slurs toward Latino women, and vulgar language directed at pro-lifers. Dictators are the worst persecutors of believers. Now, this perhaps uncontroversial finding was verified for the first time in the Pew Research Center's 11th annual study surveying restrictions on freedom of religion in 198 nations. The median level of government violations reached an all-time high in 2018 as 56 nations suffered high or very high levels of official restriction. The number of nations suffering high or very high levels of social hostilities towards religion dropped slightly to 53. However, the prior year, the median level recorded an all-time high. Considered together, some 40% of the world faces significant hindrance in worshiping God freely. World Literal News Digest will be back right after these messages. 
Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Deaconess Tiffany Manor, who's the director of the LCMS Life Ministry. Tiffany, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Kip. Tiffany, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got involved with this? Oh, sure. I am the newly installed Director of Life Ministry. My installation was this summer, and so I'm just a few months um, into this new role. Previously, I served as a district executive in the New England District, and I've also served the church uh, in working at congregations and schools and disaster response and in uh, disabilities ministry. So now I'm really uh, thrilled and, and blessed to be able to serve with so many thousands of other people across the LCMS in life ministry. Well, as uh, we know, you're uh, the director of uh, the LCMS life ministry. What is the official position of the LCMS concerning abortion, actually concerning life period? Oh, sure. So our official position is that God is the creator of life and gives value to all human life. So the LCMS um, really understands um, abortion to, to be the death of, of children and, and um, as a sin, um, and and so we we rest on uh, the gospel assurances that our Lord has for for everyone who's been um, afflicted by the sin of abortion uh, that there's forgiveness in Christ Jesus. So what we're looking at is life is from the moment of conception until natural death. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that that's where also uh, we look at things like. Uh, physician-assisted suicide, and understand that that is not how um, God ends our lives, uh, that he numbers our days and forms all the days of our lives. And, and it's God who decides when life begins and when life ends. Well, this uh, coming January is the 48th anniversary of the infamous Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion on demand, elective abortion for all nine months, uh, kind of a horrific decision, and ever since then, people have been gathering, saying that this ruling was wrong. It seems to be gathering momentum, and of course, the LCMS has been involved in this from uh, for a long, long time. What are we doing as a church, as a synod, in these upcoming marches? I understand that there's a series of them uh, planned. Yeah, this year is going to be kind of an interesting year for the remembrance of the Roe v. Wade um, a decision and, and that anniversary uh, that's on January 22nd. Uh, typically, we see regional and local marches and a very large national march in Washington, D.C. Now, with the um, ongoing pandemic and a large variety of local constraints and, and regulations, uh, the planners of the marches are, are getting very creative, and it, it just depends on what's uh, happening locally and what's appropriate uh, with the, the governmental um, permits that are being issued and things like that. Uh, 
So LCMS Life Ministry is going to be involved in something like you know, 10, a dozen, maybe even more uh, various life marches and car rallies and, and parades across the country. I mentioned briefly before that we number the people involved in LCMS Life Ministry in the thousands. So we've got a lot of people across uh, this country who are, are getting really active in January. Well, it seems to me that uh, I read that the uh, Chicago has an interesting idea about taking the march on the road or... Yeah, the planners for the Chicago March for Life have created a Moving the Movement Tour. Uh, Thus far, they're planning at being at, uh, let's see, seven different Midwestern cities to have a variety of car parades and rallies with speakers and some supportive events for local pregnancy resource centers. Uh, Actually, we've just gotten an update. They've added three more cities, and we're trying to get our LCMS website up to date. And... um, get some information out. Uh, one thing we know is that uh, things are going to be changing even up to the, the, the day of a lot of events uh, based upon whatever the local requirements are for masks and singing and things like that. So we're trying to keep our website up to date and we're going to be getting information out via email and, um, and other methods of communication, social media before all the various events. Oh, we've just finished the election, although the uh, results may still be in doubt somewhat, but uh, Joe Biden has claimed that he is the victor, and the media apparently has uh, agreed with him on that. And I think it's safe to say that he is probably the most pro-abortion president this country has ever looked at. Uh, what are the dangers? What are we looking at under the potential administration of a Biden-Harris uh, future? Oh, well, Biden has uh, changed his his uh, thoughts on abortion over the years. And yes, currently he is uh, accepting of abortion without restrictions as well as his running mate. And uh, she's not been a, a friend to abortion um, uh Well, she has been a friend to to abortion advocates and not been a friend to pro-life people. So there's a lot to be concerned about, about the the Democratic platform right now. Um, One thing that they they talk about doing is um, repealing the Hyde Amendment, which would um, allow for government funding of of abortions. So that's that's concerning. There's some other um, executive orders that would likely be rescinded and some some other things that that they would do. It kind of depends on how things also um, shake down with the Senate um, that that's still uh, not clear as to, to what uh, the majority party will be in the Senate. Well, one of the things that is mentioned in the uh, Democratic platform and uh, Biden himself has said as a priority is what they call the Equality Act. Now, there are a number of things problematic in that uh, proposed amendment, which has passed the House of Representatives. Uh, but the thing that really strikes me on that is that there is a portion of it that says specifically that the religious, uh, the religious reference, pardon me, the uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act will not be uh, applicable to people who uh, who oppose, for example, uh, medical uh, medical personnel would be forced to commit abortions and not say that, well, gee, this is against my faith, or pharmacists who would have to issue abortion-inducing drugs. And uh, even further, you know, we don't know how far this thing could go. Yeah, the Equality Act has other problems, too, with, with um, 
requiring professionals to perform gender transition procedures on, on minors, uh, regardless of conscientious objection or medical judgment. And um, there's, there's some other problems with the Equality Act as, as well. It would affect children in uh, schools, um, access to, to opposite-sex restrooms and locker rooms, allowing biological males to compete on girls' sports teams, um, curriculum uh, for sexual orientation and gender identity. So, uh, yeah, the, there's a lot to be concerned about in the Equality Act. Yeah, not too much of it good. <laughs> I've spoken to uh, several people about that. I've spoken to, uh, I've spoken to uh, the Heritage Foundation about it. I've spoken to uh, Tim Gigline with Focus on the Family, and the, the consensus is that this is one of the most threatening pieces of proposed legislation to religious liberty that we have ever seen in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's something that we're going to have to uh, to advocate. Um, about in the, the kingdom of the left, because uh, Christians you know, really do need to, to speak up and engage with their representatives so that they, they know how we feel about these things. And um, hopefully we can um, persuade them that the, the Equality Act is, uh, is really going to be harmful in a lot of, a lot of ways. Well, as I mentioned, it had passed the House of Representatives, but the Senate has not taken it up. And uh, so as long as the Republicans hold the Senate, that might be the case. So we'll have to see what happens as we go on. What about future fights for us, uh, future causes for uh, for life? As you pointed out, one of the issues that we're seeing across the country is not just abortion, but assisted suicide. And this is something that's uh, popping up more and more in different states around the country. Sure. Every um, every year, it seems like uh, there are various state committees that try to, to bring physician-assisted suicide or um, you know, compassionate death types of uh, language um, and, and named um, bills forward. So it, it is important to remain ever vigilant for your state to, to learn what's happening and, uh, again, interact with with policymakers and legislators to let them know what what you think and how you feel about that and how you'd like for them um, to act in regards to those um, those bills that come forward. So there's uh, <laughs> continual um, opportunities for for Lutherans to be involved with the, the kingdom of the left, um, not just at the state level but even the local level. So. It's been kind of amazing to me to to learn how many pro life measures get passed at the the, the local um, level with ordinances or resolutions, and I think uh, that's where we may see some real movement in the the, the pro life uh, legislation is to start start locally, work at the state level, um, and and federally as well. Well, one of the optimistic points, if you I think of the recent election is that uh, the Republicans, the conservatives, actually made a very strong showing in a number of areas. For example, they took seats away from Democrats in the House. Uh, the liberals still have a majority, but it's razor thin. We look at the states, and there are enormous gains in state legislatures and, uh, and gubernatorial uh, races. So the news is not all bad when we look at it from uh, from that area. Oh, right. And and a number that I heard was that there's 14 more pro-life women in the House of Representatives um, now, or, or there will be come January. Um, and uh, we've got a number of, of pro-life candidates throughout states who have been in very competitive races and, and won. Uh, there have been pro-life Democrats elected. And um, I think that uh, there is an opportunity there that, that perhaps with some, some effort that the 
the Democratic Party platform could potentially even be changed if, if more pro-life Democrats are, are being elected and could come to uh, positions of leadership. So it's not all bad. How can we help in this? Uh, we being members of the LCMS, how can we help get that message across to our lawmakers and to our neighbors that this is where we stand, this is what is, we believe is right, and this is what we'll continue to fight for? Sure. Well, I've already mentioned a couple of times that uh, interacting with your elected um, representatives, uh, both at the well, the, the local level, the state level, the federal level, that, that's really important. Uh, I've been amazed to, to interact with some of our LCMS uh, legislators at the state level, and, and they, they tell me that they really appreciate hearing from their constituents, and it really doesn't take a whole lot of people reaching out to them to, to be informed as to what their constituents would like to see. So it's super easy to get involved um, and to seek these people out. Uh, to find their email addresses, uh, their office phone numbers on the internet. So you can you can do that pretty easily and interact with them. But also, as you mentioned, Kip, interacting with our neighbors right on our streets and, and in our towns, uh, that's a really important thing too. So we can witness to our neighbors uh, the marches for life and the various uh, life car rallies and, and car parades are ways to, to be witnesses in our local community about what we understand as our Lord, uh, being the, the one who creates and gives value to life. Well, that's certainly true. Uh, a lot of people don't want to hear the truth, but it's always out there. Uh, that's, of course, the uh, the gospel message, and it is always true. Oh, sure. You know, being gentle and, and winsome and engaging in conversation uh, will go a long ways to having people uh, be more willing to, to listen to the truth. I didn't always know the, the truth of the gospel, and it was people around me who witnessed to me. So I'm a big fan of, of witnessing and, and praying for hearts to be changed. Well, I understand. Uh, I will confess that I used to be pro, pro-abortion, pro-choice, I called myself, pro-abortion, actually. Uh, but people kept telling me, look at the science behind it. And the more I looked at it, I realized I could no longer deny this is human life. We don't have the right to take that away, that I was wrong. And so I switched over now to the uh, pro-life site. And it was because people were able to talk to me and more than importantly, show me things like uh, ultragrams, for example, and uh, the fact that the, you know, the unique DNA at the moment of conception, things along that line. The fact is, is that, well, there was the science and is behind it. And that's interesting to me that the uh, pro-abortion side, which often claims to say uh, follow the science, somehow ignores the science. Oh, yeah. My story was a little bit different than yours. I wasn't necessarily convinced by the science, but by the Word of God. Uh, I, I didn't pay too much attention to the science, but for me, it was it was really my, my pastor, uh, my husband, other people at church who uh, really taught me. And, and I came to understand that, uh, you know, it was... God who creates life, and uh, that changed my whole worldview. Um, and I it adopted a more Christian worldview, and and saw things very clearly and, and very differently. Well, I look at uh, also the issue of um, end of life. Uh, one of your predecessors was a wonderful woman by the name of Maggie Carner, uh, who died of glioblastoma. And at the same time that she was diagnosed, there was a young woman by the name of. Uh, of uh, Brittany, 
Oh, I forgot her last name. Brittany, Brittany Maynard. It's uh, not terribly different than my last name. So her last name always yeah. sticks in my brain. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Brittany Maynard. Maynard. And um, Brittany was bound to determine to enter on a life, which she eventually did. Maggie held on to the end and even wrote a couple of open letters to Brittany begging her not to do this. And that was such an incredible, incredible inspiration to 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 me, I know, and to uh, and to others, uh, Maggie's courage and, and faith was—I uh, would say—to <laughs> say it's an example is too mild a term. It was just incredible what that woman did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I Maggie Kerner was a good friend, and I served as uh, her, her family's deaconess, so I was there with them as they they walked that path, and uh, and like you, quite quite touched, um, quite inspired. And, and one thing I learned from Maggie was to really understand how um, she wanted to to be a burden to her family. And that is the excuse that so many people say. They don't want to be a burden to their family. But I understand better uh, walking with the Carner family along that path, how, um, how dependent we are upon one another and how God puts us into our families for that very reason, how it can actually be a blessing to the family to care for someone at the end of their life. So it's a beautiful confession and, and witness to our, our Lord and the, um, the community, the, the fellowship of the, the saints and uh, the family that, that God gives us. Well, I remember um, Maggie had uh, talked about her father, who uh, also had a uh, an unfortunate ending. Uh, but she talked about how much she had learned and valued from her father in those final months and days of his life and how it brought them closer together and how much she learned from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's something that the families uh, sometimes are afraid of or they shrink back from. In fact, I was talking with a hospital chaplain last week and, and he was telling me how sometimes in the hospital, family members just won't come to the bedside of their loved ones because it's too hard for them to see that person. And, and I, um, I can understand how, how hard and, and how we grieve and mourn when someone has changed um, from what we remember of them. But um, I've learned that those those are very precious last uh, hours, days, sometimes weeks that we have with loved ones at the bedside. We've gotten to have that in, in my family just um, in the past 18 months uh, with my father-in-law, um, with, with my grandfather a few years back. And, and so my encouragement to uh, people is to always uh, do that, which is hard, you know, to be by the bedside of someone who is at the end of, of their life and, and maybe dealing with a great deal of, of pain. But uh, what a blessing it can be to, to both the one who is dying and to the family members and friends and loved ones who are there. It's a blessing for both. Tiffany, you may not be aware, but I'm a widower. And uh, my wife was, uh, fate was terribly ill for about the last 18 months of her life. And I was her caregiver during that period. Okay. I didn't know that. No. And the, the things that I learned, uh, just... What little things that brought immense joy to that woman as she uh, declined? Everything from, we were living out in California at the time, and uh, we moved her bed, her hospital bed, uh, into the dining room of all things because it had a, uh, it overlooked the mountains and she could watch the play of the shadows on the mountains. Uh, 
bird feeders. She <laughs> always insisted I get bird feeders out there so she could watch the birds. Uh, one of our little, uh, one of our little uh, uh, traditions or rituals, if you will, is she had a passion for chocolate cake, and uh, so I used to go to the store and get her some special chocolate cake, and that was her medicine. We'd call it. <laughs> oh, that sounds like really precious memories. And, uh, you know, I won't say it was easy. It wasn't. It was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. But boy, did I learn from it, including faith. Oh, wow, Kip. That's, um, that's a tremendous witness that, that you provide for all of us. And uh, it, it does sound like it was really uh, difficult to walk with, with your wife in those end, um, days of her life. But um, I'm thankful you're willing to, to share about that, and, and hopefully others will will learn how um, how wonderful it can be. I'm not sure I'd use the word wonderful, but it was certainly enlightening. I think that's the word I would use. And I learned a great deal from that experience. A great deal about God, a great deal about myself, and a great deal about the world. Oh, thank you for, for sharing your story with, with me today and with anyone else who's listening. Well, Tiffany, we're coming up to the end of the program. Uh, do you have any last minute thoughts or how people can get in touch with you to find out the status of these marches, things along that line? Oh, well, sure. Um, it's it's kind of hard to shift gears after hearing such an intimate story like yours, but um, that's part of the, the, the Christian walk is, is listening to one another and empathizing with one another. So um, I, I'm happy to do that with anyone, um, you can reach out to, to me and to LCMS Life Ministry uh, at lifeministry at lcms.org, the, the email address, lifeministry at lcms.org, and emailing that uh, we can also keep you in the loop for the, the Moving the Movement tour around the Midwest and other um, marches for life that LCMS Life Ministry is going to be involved in everywhere from Minnesota, to Utah, to California, to Washington, D.C., and I think the ultimate goal is not just to end abortion, but to make it unthinkable. Absolutely. Um, really, the prayer is that, that um, Jesus Christ would change the hearts of people all across this country so that abortion would be unthinkable and assisted suicide would be unthinkable and that all would come to, um, to know their Lord and Savior and uh, to value life as he does. Well, Tiffany, thank you very much for being on the program and sharing your thoughts and observations with us. It's truly important. Thanks, Kip. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.